Money FM 89.3, best of the afternoon update. You're listening to the afternoon update on Money FM 89.3. I'm Rachel Kelly, and now it's time for Eco Money, where we bring you the latest in sustainability and finance. Okay, fun, health, leisure, and a green attitude. That's what seems to be driving millennials' values. But why does this matter when we're talking about sustainability and finance? Well, according to Credit Suisse, this mindset matters because the young generations represented 48%, okay, practically 50% of global consumer expenditure in 2020, and that's set to increase to 68% by 2040. So what does this mean for sectors such as alternative proteins or even the energy sector? And what does the purchasing power of this sector of the population mean for investors who are interested to hop on the ESG investment bandwagon? Well, on the line with us from Zurich, Switzerland, to tell us more, Julie Soissur, who is Senior Equity Analyst, Consumer Goods. She's going to talk to us on Millennial Values and Daniel Ripley, who is Head of Single Security Research on Climate Change, both from Credit Suisse. Thank you both for joining us today. Well, thank you. Pleasure for us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. Absolutely wonderful to have you with us. And the first eco money of our new show as well. And we're starting off today. We're going to be talking about millennials, their perceptions when it comes to climate change, as well as climate change as part of a report that Credit Suisse has published. So let's start off with millennials and their perceptions, because this is quite interesting. You know, we've had a lot of conversations over the last two years in terms of how perceptions towards climate change have evolved on the back of the pandemic. And it's interesting often to look at different demographics of the population and how their perceptions may differ in comparison to others. Perhaps, Julie, I can start off with you and you can share more with us about some of the findings that you have in your most recent report. Sure. Uh, By millennials, we refer to the under 40. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, Yeah, over the years, a number of institutions have conducted research into this generation's behavioral tendencies because they exhibit unique features. They are embracing sustainability from a young age, fighting climate change as they worry about the future of the environment. And we had a recent survey of the Credit Suisse Research Institute, and it showed that not only they are concerned about the environment, but they are highly motivated to play their part in driving change, especially in emerging markets. And their mindset matters, as they already represent 48% of global consumer expenditures, and it's a number that is expected to rise to 68% by 2040. That's critical as well for companies who are looking to strategize how they're approaching this particular demographic of the population. So what are some of the opportunities there when we're looking at which sectors millennials are veering towards because they think they are going to be beneficial in tackling climate change? Well, according to our survey, they are likely to invest in solar panels, energy saving technologies for their housing. They plan to switch to electric vehicles, shared mobility. They also believe that food has a central role in the fight against climate change, and they are ready to change their diet behavior, reducing the consumption of meat, for example, and favoring alternative proteins such as plant-based food. An innovative solution is also emerging, Mm -hmm. cultivated meat and has already gained strong acceptance with the millennials, particularly in emerging markets. 
where growing populations are fueling demand for protein. It's still early days, but Singapore uh, was the first country to approve the use of cultivated chicken. And you may have tried it already in upscale restaurants there. So, um, of course, this is a solution that will need to be scaled up so that the costs come down. But we expect more approvals in different markets and geographies. And we think that's an interesting solution for the future. Yeah, I haven't tried the chicken yet here, although I have read quite a bit about it. But Daniel, perhaps I can bring you in and you can talk us through a little bit more about some of the trends, the wider trends that we're seeing when it comes to the consumption of plant-based food products. As Judy mentioned, it's becoming increasingly popular for millennials, but it's also becoming increasingly popular for other sectors of the population as well. What kind of growth have we seen in this particular sector? And do you expect this kind of trajectory for demand to continue? Yeah, that's quite quite an interesting uh, question. And uh, let's say 12 months ago, I would have said clearly yes, without any doubt. Uh, today, I would say yes, but let's look back first and speak a bit about how the market has grown. Uh, we have data for a US plant-based uh, food market. And here we have seen in, uh, in 2018 and 2019, low double-digit growth numbers, plus 15%, plus 11%. And these would have been numbers that we would have expected and we kind of still expect for for, for the future. Uh, it's fair to say with uh, the current economic environment, with uh, recession fears and uh, a bit the uh, cautiousness on growth overall. I mean, those plant-based uh, food companies, they, they are particularly in the growth area. Maybe we see a bit a slower growth in the short term, but over the long term, and this is what we are looking at in our super trends for the multi-year investment horizon. I mean, there we have a, a clear conviction that this will uh, continue. I mean, Julie mentioned it before, there's plant-based, but it's also cultivated meat. We see the biggest growth in uh, in alternative milk over the years to come. There already now, we see a 6% share uh, on a global scale of uh, alternative milk. We expect this by 2030 in our base case scenario to increase to 20%. And in 2050, uh, half of the consumption should be alternative uh, milk. We're a bit less uh, euphoric on, uh, on alternative meat. Here, we think that the, in 2030, we see about 5% market share overall, and uh, this could increase to 25 by 2050. Just to clarify, when you're talking about alternative milks, are you talking about, I mean, there's also cell-based milk. Are you also talking about oat milks, nut milks as well? Or yeah, what? it's, it's okay. mainly, main, main, I mean, this big share is mainly oat milk, soy milk, uh, and, and the likes. Okay, we're seeing such... Uh, explosion in the sector. How do you identify which companies perhaps to look at or which areas of, say, alternative meats or alternative milks to look at? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And that's why we think that the large consumer companies are maybe the best position because or the ingredients companies that work on these innovations because they can look at all these different areas and pivot and as, as the market evolve. Um, so, for example, you know, we, I was just mentioning cultivated meat. Well, the big companies are already striking deals with these little companies that are emerging. Um, I think it's more risky if you are one, you know, one product only company, because if the market evolves uh, or becomes more competitive because the large companies tackle the same area, then you're more at risk and you have the issues of scaling up production that is not easy, particularly in this world post-COVID where the supply chains have been very impacted. So in general, we even prefer to invest in the large companies that are very aware of all all these developments and want to be on top and, and are tackling all of these. 
And that's interesting when we talk about, you know, the wider geopolitical landscape in terms of what been ha- what's been happening with supply chains that's impacted uh, food supply chains. I mean, here in Singapore, as you know, we've had to diversify our supply chain when it comes to produce quite significantly over the last two years on the back of COVID-19 and everything else that's been happening. While I've got you both with us, something else that you mentioned in the Super Trends report, you speak about the energy transition. I know we've spoken a lot about food here, but perhaps, Daniel, you can share with us some of the key issues you see when it comes to the energy transition. It's kind of become a bit of a buzzword whenever we talk about any of the big energy players on the show. What are some of the key trends that you're looking at when it comes to the energy transition? We have climate change as, a, as an own super trend in, in, in our universe. And here we look uh, in particular about the, de- the decarbonization of, of the economy. And we have uh, split this into four different sub-themes. And uh, you mentioned already one, which is energy transition. I mean, we, we call it green energy transition. And here we really look at the natural gas companies and the energy companies uh, that really lead the transition. We, 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 we can't just switch off fossil fuels overnight. Uh, we are convinced that over the next uh, 10 years, fossil fuel will remain uh, an, an, important, uh, an important energy source. And natural gas, we see this clearly as a, as a transition as a transition energy. So we try also from a sustainability perspective, you can debate how sustainable it is to invest these days in oil and gas companies, but we are convinced if you today invest in the leaders of the transition, uh, those who really reinvest their cash flows uh, from which they make current with oil into renewable energies, that they will be in a, in a better uh, market position in 10 years' time. And uh, so that's kind of forward-looking and not backward-looking. And uh, that's why we see this as a, a very important part of, uh, of the climate change overall. You mentioned that's one pillar of the super trend. What, what else are you looking at? You mentioned four in total. Yes, we have uh, on the... Uh, so we, we really have identified the big mm-hmm. emissioners of CO2 because we believe that those have the biggest, uh, the biggest ch- uh, chance to, to reduce the CO2 uh, emission. So one is electricity efficiency. Mm -hmm. So really about the electricity production. It's about getting away of coal production, reducing natural gas electricity production, but really focusing on renewable energies, Mm -hmm. on wind, uh, on solar. And I mean, in particular, uh, wind and solar, uh, also a big big topic uh, in APEC. Uh, We expect China to be the biggest wind producer in a couple of years' time. So here really, we, uh, we think that with increasing consumption of electricity due to the just global growth, uh, but also because of uh, electric vehicle and, uh, and, and many other technologies and developments, we, we expect the overall uh, consumption to, to increase, but this needs to be greener. Um, the uh, other important part, and uh, this has grown out of the millennial super trend, by the way, it's a, we call it sustainable transport. So there you have all the EVs, obviously, the, 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 that's the obvious one, but we also believe that uh, sustainable transport uh, incorporates uh, just uh, the, the railroad, uh, going away from the road to the rail, sustainable fuel, here in particular, the, uh, um, the marine industry, but also the, the, air, uh, the, air, um, the aircrafts. So there is a lot of opportunities to reduce uh, the CO2 reduction um, into, uh, um, uh, into the years to come. And last but not least, and we already touched within the millennials about it, it's agriculture and food. Mm. Uh, but not only the food consumption, what needs to change, but in particular, the agriculture. We have big growth uh, of the population in the years to come, but the agriculture industry is one of the most polluted industries uh, across the globe. And here there are a lot of efficiencies, 
smart agriculture, more efficient other areas of, of agriculture, vertical farming, and of course, the consumption, which we just touched on before. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to speak with us today. We've been speaking with Julie Soissure, Senior Equity Analyst, Consumer Goods, and Daniel Rupley, Head of Single Security Research on Climate Change and Millennial Values, both from Credit Suisse. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.